Amen. How many of you love Isaiah 9, verse 6? Many have considered that to be the centerpiece of all Christmas prophecies. And so this morning, we want to get into that a little bit deeper. Thank you, Pastor Lisa, for introducing the theme of counsel. Let me ask you this morning, if you were to seek out advice in different areas, whatever it might be, looking for wisdom, looking for guidance, looking for um, how to develop an excellence in a particular uh, field, who would you like to sit down with beside Pastor Richard? And obviously besides Jesus. If it was in the area of finances, who would you like to sit down with to have a little counsel? Might, some of you might say Warren Buffett. Maybe if you were intrigued or interested in politics, it might be George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, or Ronald Reagan. Maybe you are an entrepreneur and you have some creative ideas and the creative juices flow. As far as creative genius, you might want to sit down with Elon Musk. Or maybe in ministry, you might be interested and want to speak with some of the uh, princes of preachers in history such as Charles Spurgeon or Billy Graham or some of you. I found it very interesting that some of these people for charitable purposes, will set up a lunch with you. But you better bring your checkbook, and you better bring a lot of money. On average, in the past, Warren Buffett has, for charity's sake, he has auctioned off uh, a luncheon uh, sit-down with himself. And they usually run $50,000, $100,000. But a, I think it was a couple of years ago, Again, for charity, they auctioned off a luncheon with Warren Buffett, who was considered a financial whiz, a genius. And the going rate, so, and again, it was for charity, and this was a billionaire. He paid $19 million to have lunch with Warren Buffett. If you have that kind of money, why do you need to talk to him about finances, right? <laughs> But there's a difference this morning. We understand that you could have knowledge but not necessarily have wisdom. You could have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a doctorate degree, and not necessarily be wise. I want you to understand this morning, knowledge is just an accumulation of facts and information and skills, maybe through education or experience. But wisdom is the right application of that knowledge and good judgment put together. The Bible talks a lot about wisdom. Matter of fact, in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is personified. And what I mean by that, it is spoken of as a person. I, wisdom, call out. And Jesus really, prophetically, many scholars believe that in Proverbs chapter 8, it's really Jesus because it bears all the characteristics of divinity. Jesus is wisdom. This morning we're talking about Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, that he would be a wonderful counselor. 
He would be an advisor. And when he uses names, we know that when, when God or when characters in the Bible have a name, it usually is descriptive of their character or their nature. When we see Jesus, we understand he's the mighty God. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the prince of peace. He's the everlasting father. He's the wonderful counselor. I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. I have several verses of scripture. As you know, as your pastor, I love the word of God. I memorize the word of God. I have had the same Bible for 30-something years, had to have it rebound, and I've gotten a new Bible now. My main concern was I wanted a Bible that had the same layout because I remember things first, second, third, or fourth column. And I love reading the word, looking up the word, meditating upon the word because the Bible says the entrance of your word gives light, it gives wisdom, it gives revelation. Look what the word of God says about Jesus, Colossians chapter 2. This is important. You're not going to necessarily get this Snapchat, TikTok, or social media necessarily, depending on what kind of feeds you have. Beware. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? Isn't that an awesome scripture this morning? Jesus, we find our completeness in him. You and I might not be able to sit down with Warren Buffett, Tom Brady, Abraham Lincoln, Elon Musk, Billy Graham, Nelson Mandela. We might not be able to sit down with them, but we could sit down with the one who's created them all. Who's greater, the creation or the creator? The creator is greater. Jesus will provide information, but he will also provide counsel and wisdom for you and I to keep us spiritually on track you know there used to be a time when we would travel and we would get a map quest but even before I mean it wasn't the map quest the one you printed up online but even before then there was the flip pages from AAA the flip the flip maps you, you'd have to follow it, and then as soon as you see an exit you're about to take and you're getting down to the bottom, you'd flip it, and you would, you would follow the directions from, from Maine to Florida or wherever you were traveling, and then we got a little bit more sophisticated. We had MapQuest. You can just put it in, and it all comes down on one page. Now we have what's called GPS. GPS helps is, is a global... A positioning system that helps to direct us when we travel. But you know what a key thing is? You have to put in your current location. You know, you have to know where you are to know where you're going. And you see, the good thing about it is we all have vision, we all have dreams, we all want to get somewhere, but that's half the battle, really. You need to know where you are right now before you can get there. Let me, let me switch it a little bit. How about when you go into a hotel, you close the door, and you see on the back of that door a map uh, that gives you a way of escape in case of a fire, in case of some emergency. And it gives you the escape route. But you know what's key? You know what's critical? They always have a red dot. What's that red dot? You are here. 
And that is so you know where you're going. Uh, funny thing, I was with my wife a few months ago in a, in a, a, a retreat, a, a minister's conference for a, a couple of days. And this, this hotel was so big and it had in the middle of it a, like a, a play, a, a pool kids area and it was just massive and sometimes I got a little confused and I was just walking back to my room and I saw a friend I said I said am I going the right way he said it matter it depends where you're going <laughs> and I said that'll preach that'll preach a sermon it really depends where you're going but also depends where you're at we need to know where we're at and here's where spending time with Jesus personally he's a wonderful counselor think about it we get to sit with the creator of the universe creator of it all and he knows the beginning from the end the end from the beginning we get to sit with him and get counsel from someone who is the wisest of all times turn with me to Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10, verse 38. This is in the gospel uh, time of Jesus with his disciples. And he always, um, he, he spent time with the disciples, but he had a, a favorite place to go. I don't know if it was the cooking. I don't know if it was the fellowship. But he liked to go over Mary and Martha's house. Now it happened as they went, he entered a certain village. Uh, verse 38, Luke chapter 10 he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus feet and heard his word but Martha was distracted serving and she approached Jesus and said Lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone therefore tell her to help me Jesus answered and said to her Martha, 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 Martha. When you say that twice, you know you're in trouble, right? You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that part which will not be taken away from her. Just to set the context, here's Mary and Martha, two sisters. Jesus is welcome into uh, uh, their home. But how many of you know when Jesus uh, went places, he went with his disciples. So when, when he went into a home, there was going to be uh, a meal. And there was not just going to be one. You, you're cooking for a dozen or so. So there was a lot of work, right? And two sisters, same home. Two different perspectives, you know, and, and sometimes those of you that have been around the church, you know this passage of scripture, you might fall into the category of being a Martha, which means you're a worker, you, you serve, uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you get things done. And some of you might fall into the category of being a, a Mary that sits at the feet of Jesus. Now, you know what I've found? Uh, I've found some church people, they defend Martha and they defend Mary. Right, some, some, well, you know what? Something's got to get done around here. You can't just sit around and pray all the time. Somebody's got to cook. Somebody's got to do some work in the church. Somebody's got to do some ministry. And then the Mary say, well, we've got to seek the Lord. God wants us to pray all the time. How many of you know you need both? You need a Mary and you need a Martha. But you know what Jesus said, I think is the key, said Mary has chosen. She made a choice to sit at the feet of Jesus. You and I have a choice in our lives where we're going to sit 
where we're going to get our information, where we're going to get our counsel, where we're going to get our wisdom. Are we going to get it from the place in the world? Are we going to get it from Jesus? Mary chose that part. She made a decision. I want to ask you this morning, the choices, what choices are you making in life? The choices you make determine your destiny. They, they might start off simple choices, but you know what? The choices you make begin to uh, chart the course for your life. Mary, she chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and what? Hear his counsel. Hear his word. I hope when it came for cleaning up the dishes afterwards, she was helping Martha. But the choice, do you choose in, in, in life, in ministry, in finances, in marriage, in singleness, whatever it is, family matters, timing, we need wisdom in those areas. We need to know and understand, even in, even in the will of God, something might be the will of God, but it might not be the timing. Amen. Do you know that that's critical? You know there are some people that have messed up their, their lives in some ways and even their ministry because they didn't understand the difference between being something being God's will but but maybe not his timing you know if I looked at some things in my life in ministry and and, and I knew the will of God but I got frustrated in the process because it wasn't timing sometimes timing was years sometimes timing was was not according to my timetable God had a different plan but I had to submit to that and we need to know the will of God, but we also need to know the timing of God. You know what I found? Sometimes we can be very slick as Christians, very clever. When we want to do something, we'll find scriptural support to back that up. We'll find that the signs that we see confirm what we want to do. It was a man who who had a big farm and he was he was he he had this this farm and 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 was his livelihood and you know he was working it a little bit but but then he felt like God wanted him to go and preach and that's a good thing and so so instead of taking care of his farm he just wanted to go preach and so all he was looking for was a confirmation of that so he saw a sign up in the heavens it said G P he said that's the sign go preach he went and preached, failed miserably, lost everything. And then he finally went back to God and he really prayed and said, God, what is your will? What were you trying to show me? He said, God said to him, I said, go plow. <laughs> you see, a lot of times we can live frustrated when we lack the wisdom. But Jesus gives us opportunity to sit at his feet. Many times in life there were decisions. And you know what? Sometimes we get proud. We think we know. We think we can handle it. Sometimes the decisions might be seemingly small. Sometimes the decisions could be of greater consequence. But it's important that we seek God. We seek God in prayer. We seek God in his word. And we also seek godly counsel. Turn with me to, to 2 Samuel I want to read a passage of scripture that's very intriguing. 2 Samuel chapter 6. How many of you are still with me? Amen. Most of you. This is King David. This is the man who had a heart after God. He was 
a king who the Bible says in Acts that when David had fulfilled and done the will of God, he slept with his fathers. Now that's, now you want an epitaph? You want something on your tombstone? I did the will of God and I slept. <laughs> to do all of the will of God is the most critical thing. Well, here's David. He has a desire. He is being, um, beginning to be established in the kingdom. As the king, he's in Jerusalem. But something's lacking. The ark of God. Now, the ark of God is not Noah's ark. The ark of God was a chest, was a, a box, uh, three or four feet by a couple of feet or so. This was where the presence of God dwelt. This was the ark of the covenant. And so in that time, that was a place where God's presence would be manifested. So the Ark of the Covenant had not been brought to Jerusalem yet. So David had a good idea. He had a, 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 a very well-pleasing idea before God, a noble thought to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the political cap capital, but he wanted it to be the religious capital because God, David had a heart after God. He loved God with all his heart, and, and he wanted the presence of God to be in Jerusalem. Let's read 2 Second, uh, Samuel. 2 Samuel, it says, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from the, there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. Underline new in your Bible. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, not Federal Hill. And Uzzah in Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill, accompanying the ark of God in Ohio. Uh, uh, hi, oh. <laughs> Went before the ark. Then David, listen, and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord, all kinds of instruments made of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to, to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed uh, Obed-Edom in all his house. Now, look, let's look at this. David, the man of God, has a, a great desire in his heart to take the ark of the covenant, this, this chest that was overlaid with gold, cherubim, where the presence of God would, would, would manifest himself, uh, such a significant, the most 
uh, precious and most significant piece of furniture uh, that the children of Israel had because it was put in the, in the, in, in the tabernacle and it was very critical. So, so he's, he's going to bring it to the city of Jerusalem. So, so he does some celebrating and, and the Bible says he brings it back on a new cart. I ask you to highlight that or make note of that because it was a new cart and we're going to see something that something was, wasn't quite right about that. But what happens is as they have this cart on the ox, they have this, this, the ox on this uh, oxen, the oxen stumbles, so here is Uzzah, he reaches out to steady it. Now that doesn't look like a bad idea. I mean, here's the ark of the covenant, it's gonna fall over. I mean, that's like, it's not a good thing. He reaches out his hand and God strikes him and kills him. And David gets angry. Now you holy saints this morning, that don't get angry. I don't think we should get angry and, you know, complain a little bit. Here's, here's a pat. David got mad. He was angry. God, God, what in the world? Why did you do this? I know you're so holy. You never did that. You never questioned God. But he was so angry. He said, you know what? Take the ark. Let it go to Obed-Edom's house. And you know what? The ark went, and you know where the ark of the covenant was, there was blessing. The Bible says that everything, another passage of scripture, that everything that Obed-Edom had was blessed. His whole family, his whole life, because it represented the presence of God. Okay, so, so what's my point? What am I trying to say? Go over with me uh, to um, second, uh, no, first Chronicles, first Chronicles chapter 15. First Chronicles chapter 15. Now, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicles, um, written different perspectives, but many times the same stories. But here's a different perspective. First Chronicles chapter 15, David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God. Right? That's what we're talking about. He pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. And David gathered all Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of God to its place, which he had prepared for it. Down to verse 12. Then he said to them, you are the heads of your father's houses. You are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. Look at verse 13. I want you to get this. I want you to highlight this in your Bible. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult, consult him about the proper order. What Uzzah did, how they brought up the ark on a new, a new cart, they didn't do it the prescribed way, they didn't do it the right order. You had Uzzah who, who uh, presumed to study the ark like he was going to help God or help the situation. God struck him. There's a period of time that goes by and David begins to seek counsel. He begins to seek the word. He begins to process what happened. And you know what he learns? He learns we didn't do it in the right order. We didn't follow the steps that God prescribed in his word. 
See, it wasn't supposed to be on a cart. There were actually hoops at the end of the, of the base, and they would have put poles through it, and the Levites would have carried it. Not to touch it, not to be near it. No hands would have touched it because it was holy. And they would have carried it a prescribed way. But the Bible says we did not consult him about the proper order. Wow. Think about it. God's prescribed way. It's so critical, brothers and sisters, this morning that we understand that God has a proper order. God has a prescribed way about life, about marriage, about ministry, about our finances. God has a prescribed order. It's not enough just to know. We, we really, we, we must obey what God says. There is a proper order. How many in our culture, how many in our world, how many even in the church are, are not following the prescribed order? There's a prescribed order for marriage. You don't live together. You don't have sex before marriage and then get married. There's a proper order. You get married first. I, I don't know if I'm preaching to the, to the heathen to the unsaved. Isn't that the truth? There's a prescribed order. And, and I have found, I've been in, in pastoral ministry enough to see there's been a decline, there's been an erosion of morals, even in the church, where it used to be when I counseled people that wanted to get married, that I would sit in my office and, 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 and seven or eight uh, out of ten of them were not already living together, not already having children, not already bought a home together. They're not even married, but they got a home together. They're not even married married but they're sleeping together they're not even married but they got children oh my lord it's getting quiet in here but but holy spirit help people this morning get a revelation all right i i i believe in grace you can't unscramble an egg but god will help you to make a nice omelet out of it if you obey him if you trust him if you do the proper order now not tomorrow not next year right now repent now do what's right before god now there is a proper order. You know, statistics show those people, couples who live together, co-inhabit before they get married, have a higher percentage of divorce afterwards. Let's just think of it logically, not even biblically. Let's think of it logically. You know what you're telling somebody that you're not willing to be married legally? You're telling them, I'll live with you until I can find something better. They got you beat too because they're thinking the same thing. If I can some find a, somebody better than you, you're out the door, sucker. <laughs> There's no commitment. There's no commitment. We didn't do it. What did David say? God struck him in. Now, God doesn't do that today. But let me tell you, some people get struck down spiritually. They, they die inside when you continue to disobey God, do things out of order, do things the wrong way. You begin to die. You begin to move away from the, where God has for you. But I'm just trying to encourage you to do it the proper way. You don't try to do, get, you, you don't get the order wrong. You don't try to do big things for God without doing little things for God. Hello? Jesus said he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. You don't spend all your money and then give God your leftovers. That's out of order. You honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your possessions. 
Praise the Lord. I, I'm, I'm so thankful I'm preaching the word this morning. I don't need your affirmation. It's nice to have an amen, um, but I don't need it this morning because this is the word of God. I feel strong. I feel in because we need to understand that there's a proper order. David came to the realization, he says, we didn't consult him about the proper order. We didn't consult God about the direction about how we're to live our lives. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, I understand something, you know, in my life where I've grown up in the things of God to know that I've got to pray, I've got to seek the word of God, I've got to seek godly counsel. It used to be a time where couples were looking to get married uh, before they even made plans, they would talk to a pastor. I'm just trying to help you this morning. If Maybe if you didn't know this, I'm going to give you a bye. But from this day forward, there's something about spiritual authority. Not that we dictate your life. Not that we make decisions for you. But we're counsel and advice so that you could, you could know and, and, and have a confirmation of the will of God. Amen. See, the way I know I was married many, many years ago. Some of you weren't even born back in 1991. But you see, when it came to... to Dating Pastor Lisa, I prayed and fasted. I wanted to know that I know that I know it's God's will because you know what? In life, I don't care who you marry. I don't care what ministry you're in. I don't care what job you have. If you don't, if you don't know God's will, it'll be so easy to be moved out of that. Because life is hard. Marriage is hard. Ministry's hard. If I didn't know that I know that I know that I know, I wouldn't be here today. The devil would have taken me out already, but I know that I know that I know that I can stand strong because if God has me where he wants me, he will sustain me, he'll give me the grace. But what I did was I, I, I went with Pastor Lisa to meet my pastor. I needed to get my pastor's approval. Again, not because he was controlling, not because he, he wanted to make decisions, because I, I had a respect for pastoral authority. Now, you see, you've got to understand, when I grew up and my pastor knew me very well, and I was on fire for God, so, so at the church, I was like he, I was like a golden boy. I was like the golden boy. I'm just telling you. I'm not just, just giving you the facts. So he wanted to make sure, who is this girl? Does she measure up? And listen, I do the same thing for the people in our church. If you're a part of this church and you're in, in loving God and serving God, you're, you're special to me. If some guy comes along, I want to I make sure he's good for you. Some girl comes along, I want to make sure she's good for you. Let me tell you, good looks are good, but, but, but that good-looking guy in six months or a year and a half could be laying on the couch unshaven, not, not wanting to get a job, not wanting to do any work, and all of a sudden those hearts that you saw all around you, they start to poof and disappear, and reality hits you. So, so my wife and I, uh, well, my wife-to-be, were you my fiancé? So, so we went to my pastor's home, and my pastor, you know, God bless him, uh, Lisa left that house. She said, I'll, I don't want to ever go back to that house because she, my pastor drilled her, like wanted to make sure, do you, are you counting the cost? Do you understand? You know, Richard has a call of God on his life, ministry, and, and he's on fire for God. He wants to serve. Are you, are you able to, to, to drink the cup? <laughs> You know, could have got offended, and I'm not going to go back to my pastor. I'm going to go to find another pastor. 
I know none of you have ever thought of that or done that, but I love you anyhow. I'm just trying to give you wisdom this morning. Jesus is a wonderful counselor, but he uses leadership. He uses people as a, as a covering, as a blessing, as, as a security. What, what kind of affirmation it is to have a pastor and leader say, yes, I, I, I feel good about this. Yes, I give my blessing. You know how good that feels? You could. We're talking about counsel this morning. We're talking about the wonderful counsel of Jesus. We're talking about the word of God. We're talking about the direction that God gives in our life to show us that we might know his will and that we might follow it and we might do it the proper order. What happened when David did it the proper way? I'm not going to take time to read all the scriptures, but the Bible says that there was dancing, there was rejoicing, there was such a sense of relief and peace that we did it the right way. Let me just say to you this morning, God, God loves you. God, God wants to see you prosper. God wants to see you do well in life, but you've got to do it the proper order. And there's good news. If you made mistakes, God is so good. He's so faithful. You can move forward today and you can see God begin to restore your life. But you know what the, an issue is, and I close with this. It's, it's one thing to know the will of God. It's another thing to want to do it. Jesus said when he was preaching, he said, if you want to know my doctrine, if you really want to know it, you gotta, are you willing to obey it? He said, if you're willing, then you'll know. Do you know that revelation comes when you, when you obey? Greater revelation comes when you obey. The more you obey God, you could sit in the church for 20, 30 years, be under some of the greatest preaching and teaching, but if you don't obey, instead of a softening, a hardening can take place. Instead of a growth and a maturity, if anything, you could be stunted in your growth. But you have to understand, it's not enough just to know, you have to obey. Take the prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus. You know the story. Wise men, they were astronomers. They were philosophers. They were the educated of their day. They had seen a star. They had followed a star. They came from the east. Some say it could have been 800 miles or more. They traveled in a slow, slow pace. They didn't have jets. They didn't have the transportation system we have today. They had to travel by, by some animal, a donkey, a horse, or whatever. But they came, and the Bible says they came to Jerusalem, and they, they, they met with Herod, King Herod, and they asked, they said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And you know what, you know what Herod did? He called for, the, for those who, who studied the law. He called for the scribes. He called for the ones who, who would know. And you know what they said? They came to, in the scroll, in, in, in the book of uh, Micah, that says about the Christ child being born in Bethlehem. They knew the word of God. They knew where he would be born. And you know what? The saddest thing was they didn't lift a finger. They didn't take a step. They didn't make a move to follow that truth. Here there were wise men, maybe traveled several weeks and months, 800 or more miles, and here from Jerusalem to, to Bethlehem was just a short journey of, of maybe 20, 25 miles. 
They didn't lift a finger. They didn't take a step. They didn't move because you have to understand it's not enough to hear. It's not enough to know what the right thing to do. You have to have true wisdom. True wisdom is the application of knowledge, the right application, actually living out what you know to be true. This morning, we have to understand when we get wisdom, when we hear the word of God preached, when we get counsel from those that are older and wiser. You know, you can get counsel from somebody. They don't even have to be older. Sometimes they've just been a little further along in the journey than you have. They know some of the pitfalls. They know some of the dangers. They know some of the stumbling blocks. And they also know the stepping stones. And it's, and it's important that we, we learn and we grow and we get godly wisdom. But, but you have to apply it. You have to apply it. And you know what really troubles, uh, troubles me when I see people who have such pride that they won't respond. No, I can do it my own way. I have my own order. No, there is a proper order. There is a right order. And I'm not saying it from me. I'm saying it from the authority of the scriptures, the authority of God's word. You know what keeps us, you know what holds us back is pride. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm not willing to humble myself and acknowledge that I made mistakes. Maybe because it was the way you were brought up. You never knew how to uh, handle failure. You, 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 you just don't know how to deal with it. And, and, and see, pride could get in any of us and all of us. Matter of fact, some of us, when God does use us and when God does open doors and God does bless our lives, pride could easily creep in there and think, we've got all the answers now. You know what I've learned in life, I might not have all the great ideas or all the right answers, but I've learned enough to be able to discern good ideas and great advice. So you don't have to have all the answers. You just need to have the discernment, the Holy Spirit discernment, to be able to know what to accept, what to reject, what to take, what to leave behind. May the Holy Spirit help us this morning. I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come back so that we could end with a song and with a prayer this morning. Counsel from Jesus. Counsel from Jesus. Wonderful counselor. To sit at the feet of Jesus this morning. Say, God, what is your will? God, what is your direction? God, show me if I've gotten things out of order today. If I've taken the wrong steps, Lord, let me reorder my steps. Let me reprioritize my life today. Can we stand together this morning? Praise the Lord. Wonderful counselor, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. You know, another person doesn't make us complete. God makes us complete. But when we meet that right person, we're in that right relationship, whether it's in a, a marriage, whether it's in a church, whether it's in relationships and ministry, then there's, there's a special blessing when God is in the right order. We didn't do it the right way, he said. David was humble enough after he processed his anger and his grief and his whatever he had to go through. He says, you know what? Let's do it the right way. No new cart. 
No doing it our way. No, no doing it out of order. Let's, let's do it the prescribed way. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to some of you. I couldn't even begin to imagine what, what God could do with the Word of God today and speak to your situation. But I do believe the Holy Spirit wants you to know during the Christmas season that there is counsel. There is wisdom. There is something fresh from the Word of God, from the presence of God, to take you places you've never been before. This morning, I want us to worship with a song. If you feel led to come and pray, maybe kneel at your seat. Maybe you need to evaluate and examine your heart. Let the Holy Spirit do that. You know, I don't trust my own heart because the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who could know it? Only the Lord knows our heart. And he'll reveal things to us and he'll show us things and he'll, he'll renew our minds and he'll help us to re, readjust and refocus today. But as they begin to sing, if you want to come and find a place of prayer, you want to kneel at your seat, maybe you need to ask the Lord for the proper order. What's the proper order? What, what did I get out of line? Let me get, let me get this thing right. Let me tell you, God is for you this morning. He's not against you. He's for you. God wants to see you succeed. He wants us to prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. But what needs to prosper first is our soul, a spiritual part of us. So as they begin to sing, if you find a place to pray, and then we're going to dismiss in five minutes. But let's sing one chorus of worship. Let's turn our heart to God today. Whatever God is trying to speak to us, we seal it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Savior, I come, quiet my soul. Redemption's hill where your blood was spilled for my ransom. Everything I want.